0: Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer we'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black.
1: Joining us today on B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper is Rosie Guest, CMO at Apex Group and a member of their executive committee. She's led and scaled the group marketing and communications function at Apex as it's grown from a mid-sized asset management provider to an institutional-sized financial services provider. She now runs a centralised global team across all functions and sub-brands. And on top of all that, she was also the winner of Disruptor of the Year at the 2020 Women in Finance Awards, which I'm sure we'll get to later. So first of all, Rosie Guest, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Stuart. Happy to be here.
1: So what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you?
0: I think for me, and particularly in the financial services space, as you mentioned, that's where where I am. It's about being bold um, and doing things a little bit differently. And I think traditionally in this space, marketers have played it safe. And I think being a bit more Don Draper is not playing it safe, risking it a little bit. um, And that sets you apart. So I think in that context, that's what it means to me.
1: Mm. Absolutely. And you're CMO at Apex. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the company for for those who aren't so familiar?
0: Absolutely. So as you mentioned, Apex is a financial solutions provider. We grew up as a very entrepreneurial business, which we still remain today. So set up by our founder and CEO, Peter Hughes, who still remains very active as an acting CEO. Um, And we grew organically. So we placed lots of entrepreneurial people across the globe to grow their businesses with about 30 offices worldwide with a couple of people. Over the years, that's been really successful. So as you mentioned, we've transformed into a global financial services provider with the backing of four private equity firms now or three private equity firms and a a sovereign wealth, which has enabled us to grow to 5,000 people and have a single source solution, which is what we call it, which is offering the broadest range of solutions in the industry. So massive growth story for us.
1: And you're Chief Marketing Officer, uh, a global financial services company. What are the roles and responsibilities in that area?
0: I think they differ um, across all of the businesses because marketing as a function in financial services varies. So a lot of financial services institutions still look at marketing in a relatively traditional way. But what it means at Apex is very broad. So I cover everything from internal communications to integrations, um, particularly on the marketing and comms side of acquisitions through demand marketing, digital marketing, portfolio marketing, sales enablement, all of the the comms piece and marketing. So anything under that bracket, which is very broad ranging.
1: And as you mentioned, the group has grown massively with 20 acquisitions in the last four years. Mm. What are the challenges about bringing all those different companies together under one umbrella for you?
0: I think it's twofold. I think the speed of change when you're evolving at that velocity, uh, communicating that not only to the market, but also to your employees and cultural integration, which is cited as most often the uh, most common fail failure when it comes to acquisitions. Um, or most common cause of deal failure, um, so integrating different prevailing cultures, also across multiple different jurisdictions and regions, is a really big challenge, um, and it's a long term challenge as well. It's not something that can be fixed in a matter of months. So I think definitely velocity of change and culture are, are key.
1: And you said before B two B marketing, and there's financial services marketing. <laughs> uh, what did you mean by that? What's the difference there?
0: So I think if you think about B2C first, you know, B2C has evolved with a customer-centric approach more than a product centric approach and certainly ahead of of b2b and financial services is another layer when it comes to going back to the first question you asked me what does it mean to be a bit more don draper Um, it's a relatively conservative space from a marketing perspective and some of that's driven by a lot of regulation Um, but also i think some of it's driven a little bit by fear Um, you know you've had the financial crisis engaging with people on more an emotional or emotive level has been more challenging particularly in financial services. Um, So I think that's where it positions, as I said earlier, marketing as maybe a more traditional function than you would see in b to c or even in B2B b, um, in different areas so that's a challenge but an opportunity I think for me and it's an exciting opportunity to demonstrate what marketing can be as a strategic function and how you can be creative and still meet regulatory requirements and still be corporate and professional so I think that's that's what's different it's a You know, financial services, it's not the most sexy industry um, on the surface, but now you see things coming in like disruptive challenger banks, those kinds of things where there's a very different tone of voice, very different narrative. So starting to push the boundaries. But I think what I mean there is it's probably behind when it comes to, uh, you know, being more personalized or adventurous when it comes to marketing.
1: Mm, exciting times so having faced those challenges and those those new threats or or those that new competition what advice would you give to to people in your role who are trying to make a case for marketing and brand building across financial service businesses
0: I think for me it's always been about demonstrable results so you have to start with thinking, and I, I somebody told me very early in my career, never walk into a meeting with a CEO or a board where you don't already know the answers to the questions they're about to ask you. And usually those questions from those types of people center around revenue, um And value-based questions. So in order to get to the investment in the brand piece, which is less tangible, you have to be able to demonstrate the other things. So where I started with positioning marketing at Apex as a strategic function, which it absolutely wasn't when I joined, was really how do I put the building blocks in place to demonstrate that this function actually has strategic value, it contributes to the bottom line from a revenue perspective, and is actually operating across all other functions so you have interlock with it compliance sales obviously extreme alignment with sales so there's a tangible tie to revenue and once you've made that case that enables you then to build out in the other less tangible areas and the more long term i think that's the point with brand it's a longer term play um so it's aligning with business gold as well is absolutely key so if there are strategic objectives whenever you present or speak to the board or to the CEO or whoever that stakeholder is, it's making sure that everything you're doing is talking back to those points so they can see how it all links in with their key objectives.
1: Mm, that all sounds crucial. But how would you um, get a sceptical exec to believe in the power of brands specifically?
0: It's a difficult question. Um, and I think something we've actually achieved pretty successfully at apex and we are a unique business as i mentioned earlier around you know entrepreneurial spirit but i think it's about um getting to the soul of the business and there's a lot of of talk around purpose when it comes to brand at the moment and i know we'll probably talk about that later on but i think for me there's another layer to that and it's actually what is the soul of the business what does the business care about? What does the business mean? Where did it come from? You know, what's its life story almost? And when you've got key executives, they're usually bought into that, particularly in the case of Apex. Um, it was it was built from the ground up by a founder. So once you can portray how valuable translating that message to the market and how that links to you know client longevity or client retention which again links you back to revenue again i think it's always pulling those things together so that they can see not only that it's important to get the message across but how that benefits them from a a visionary perspective from an ops perspective and all the other things that are really central to someone running a business um so it's about telling a story, very much like how do you um, get buy-in from new potential customers? You want to tell them a story. You want them to buy into that journey and that and that mission. And again, going to the culture piece that we talked about earlier, the employees are crucial as well. They're crucial in that story. They're part of it. They're part of the brand. If they don't believe in it, then nobody will. So I think it's really you're, you've got internal People to sell to too so it's it's a narrative for your for your employees it 's a narrative for your CEO and just as it 's a narrative for your clients
1: mm, and finding the soul of a brand as you say um, must require a lot of uh, inward looking investigation so do you have any any examples of that that might help us out understand
0: yeah we've done a lot around that actually, and we've run multiple workshops across the business to understand how our employees feel about our brand, Um, as well as outward looking surveys, you need to look inward and, and say, are the key values that we're, you know, saying as a corporate business are, is our philosophy, our mission, our vision, is that actually how people feel? Um, So you've got to spend time with your people understanding whether that's how they connect with a brand uh, to understand the reality. So it's, as I said earlier, it's a long term thing. And we did with offices across, you know, 40 locations at the time, two hour workshops with every office really getting to the crux of what it meant to work at Apex for them and how that felt for them. And then you bring that up a level and then you talk about that maybe at senior management level and see, does that fit with our strategic objectives? Is that how we want to be portraying ourselves as a brand? Is that how we want people to feel when they interact with our brand? Because again, going back to, you know, the narrative, it's also a sense, a feeling to get that soul of a business. So um, definitely a lot of inward looking. And I really strongly believe that An external brand can't be reinforced without the employee buy-in, because if we're saying one thing as a marketing and comms department, that people feel something different when they engage with your brand, then it kind of uh, ruins the story anyway. So it's definitely a a double edged um, sword in that you need to focus on both areas for that to ring true and to, to have integrity behind it, really.
1: Mm, fascinating Uh, and the other thing you've talked about uh, around this area is, is a shadow board can you tell us a little bit about that and how that works
0: yeah so one of the things i'm really passionate about personally is um equality and diversity and equity within business so we growing up in the financial services space as apex as we've talked about has and how that's quite traditional and how traditionally that space is very male dominated and not just male dominated but specifically white men of a certain age. And that takes time to change because the people in the roles are very good. So we're not going to suddenly switch out an executive committee because we want to be more diverse. You know, you have to have strategic reasons for employing people. And actually, you've got to start from the ground up. So how do we promote um, people within our business? How do we Uh, Develop an environment that's um, conducive to development for people across different uh, cultures, ethnicities, genders. Um, So in order to address that quickly, and really what that was about was how do we bring diversity of thought to the leadership conversation, um, was to think about, okay, so here's our executive committee. How can we find high achieving people across the business of different ages, different genders, different ethnicities, and bring them to that leadership conversation. So we had 10 executive committee members, we brought in 10 shadow executive committee members, and that was 50% female, 50% male, across diff- six different countries and really it was kind of a mentor mentee relationship so that there was a benefit for those people rising up through the ranks but also a massive benefit for the executive committee themselves to engage in conversation to get a different perspective on something uh, rather than talking in an echo chamber mm. but hearing You know, a diverse set of perspectives on a particular issue or hearing from somebody that maybe isn't is less senior in the business, therefore experiences something differently. So going back to how that links into brand is, again, it's about involving your people, hearing diverse sets of opinions, understanding how not just the senior leadership thinks about a brand or a culture, but bringing the broader organization in to establish who we actually are rather than who we'd like to be.
1: That's such a clever idea. I can see why you're particularly passionate about it. But uh, let's talk a bit more about brand. Mm. Uh, with such a competitive financial services market, how does Apex stand out? And what's the role of the brand to position the business in the way it wants to be perceived?
0: So Apex has always been a little bit disruptive. You talked about that at the at the beginning of the course. So maybe that's why I'm a good fit. <laughs> because I got that disruptor award. Um, but yeah, it's always been slightly different in that you know, even taking it down to the basics of the visuals of our brand, a lot of financial solutions providers prefer kind of a muted blue color. Um, a lot of the imagery used is building scapes or, you know, handshakes, people in suits. Um, we've never really followed that line of visual branding, nor has our tone of voice gone down that road of very formal, formalized language. Um, so I think for us, we have always tried to position ourselves not as a follower, and um, we watch absolutely we watch what the market's doing, and um, we keep on top of how our competitors are performing and what they're doing well, um, but we like to pave our own way, and I think that that's what makes us a little bit different and goes back to that that piece about soul and also purpose. So why does Apex matter outside of good, delivering good service? You know everybody says, oh, our clients are first. Um, we want to deliver exceptional service, tailored service, all of those things. Um, but everybody's saying that. So what else is different about APEX? Um, and it, that's where the purpose piece comes in. And that's where we want to set ourselves apart as being more than just a financial services provider. So what else do we do? We're passionate about the environment and, and have positioned our business. We've realized we have this wealth of data, financial services data across multiple private and you know, hundreds of thousands of private equity firms how do we leverage that knowledge, not just to benefit our business and to grow revenue and to be successful, but to actually do better for the world. Um, And so we've developed what we call our ESG product, which is essentially about helping private firms understand their impact on the environment and society to make incremental change to move towards a more sustainable future. So with all of the success that we have had through our general service, it's about bringing it back to why does that matter in a non-work environment? Because as the lines between work and home blur, as they already were before COVID, and um, people making decisions based on you know, morals and you know, as generations move through and and different things are important to people, it's not just oh, will no one get sacked for buying a IBM? It's now you know well, you know, how, how ethically or morally um, correct is that business? And does that is that how we want to portray our business and linking brands with other uh, other brands? So there's like, multiple factors, I think, in making sure that your brand sets itself apart. But it's about being true to what you were founded on, what your principles are, um, and being able to, as I said at the beginning, be a little bit brave, be a little bit bold, uh, to set yourself apart from the crowd
1: and broadening things out a little bit then what's what do you think the best way is to drive long term growth in b2b financial services marketing
0: alignment in a word i think it's um it's making sure that you're completely aligned a with what your customers are looking for and that the messaging is based on needs and not product Um, So there's definitely a bit of shift, I think, in B2B over the past five years, particularly from product marketing to more portfolio marketing. So needs-based, audience-based, rather than here's our product, do you want it? Here's your need, here's our product. And I think it's also about making sure that that alignment transcends just sales and marketing and also goes across you know, as I said, compliance, operations, HR, there's a huge link with HR, um, particularly from a comms perspective, and all the things we've just been talking about, Out the the human sense of a brand, how it feels to interact with a brand. And that goes to, you know, onboarding as a new employee, if that feels different from the message externally. So a huge amount of alignment makes it sustainable, because it also beds you in as a key function across the business and not just from a revenue perspective and not just from an operational perspective but as really a core function that then elevates marketing and comms to being something that's really strategic.
1: Mm. And we know that marketers need to balance short-term sales activation with longer-term brand building. Uh, What's your view of that especially within your role there at Apex?
0: Yeah I mean that's A day in the life of Rosie I think (laughs) it's how do we execute as well as think strategically and keep things moving long term so I think it's about balance and it's being about being able to be tactical whilst maintaining a view on the future and so whether that's for us integrating businesses that often we don't know about the acquisition until a couple of weeks before that it's going to close and that means switching tactic maybe actually dropping something I think that that's something we as marketers find quite difficult to do is to make a a ruthless prioritization around what we're focusing on because otherwise it's too scattergun it's too broad-based and therefore nothing is true enough nothing is uh, cutting through the noise because we're trying to do too many things at once so um, alignment and prioritization I think are, are key in that respect
1: Mm. And getting down to brass tacks, then how do you split your budget between those two sides?
0: It fluxes, I'll be honest with you, we we obviously have um, a forecast, we have things that we know we're going to do, but we are really agile as a function, um, and have to be because of the pace it changed our business. Um, but I would say, you know, interestingly, over the last year or so, it's switched. So we probably were spending about 60% on demand. Um, and now it's, flipped I would say 60% is probably on brand maybe even more at the moment because that's so crucial for us because we're changing and our message to the market has to be activated really quickly and we know that brand perception lags behind reality as a general rule so how do we accelerate that we have to invest in brand um, but if you did asked me a year ago I would have said it's all about demand it's all about revenue because going back to what we said before that's how I was demonstrating the value of, of marketing to the business. But now we've achieved that the balance has kind of flipped a little bit. So it depends on where your priorities are, what your business is doing as to how you should shift and flux with the budget.
1: So I guess it just pays to, to be as agile as possible.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: And what would you say are the key components of the most effective marketing campaigns, broadening things out a little bit now? Should they try to speak to customers and non-customers at the same time or just one group?
0: I think broadly, campaigns need to consider every audience, um, but that the messaging within those programs that slot into the campaign needs to be really specific. So for Apex, what that looks like is existing customers. Obviously, we talk to them in one way. Um, New prospective customers we would talk to in a slightly different way. And then influencers, which for us, unfortunately, is not your kind of Instagram type influencer, but it's much more a referral source type of influencer. So big law firm partners, for example, it's a huge revenue stream for us. So we need to talk to them in a slightly different way. And then taking that down a level within the audiences? What about the personas? And I think that's where B2B is getting to now, you know, persona-based marketing, what are the needs, thinking about buying groups and how to influence the different people across those buying groups. So getting down into the different layers, I think it's both of those things, but you have to treat, so there's one campaign to treat the audiences differently and then tailor the messaging based on their needs, what's, what's important to them, and what's going to help them in their decision-making process.
1: Mm. And and you've mentioned this already, but maybe we can drill down into it a little bit more. I wonder what you think is the relative importance of emotional versus rational messaging in financial services marketing.
0: Yes, I've been thinking about this a lot because I think it's it's definitely 50-50 for me. You you have to think about, as we keep saying, your your audience. So who are we talking to and and how do they operate? So ultimately financial services and particularly what we are selling is complex. So there's got to be practical explanation of how that fits in, why that's valuable. There's got to be, you know, an ROI visible to the potential client or to the existing client. Um, But at the same time, people are increasingly making decisions based on emotion. So then that's where we start layering in purpose because if there's you know everybody's doing much of a much less a similar service maybe there's differences here and there on, on a small level but what sets you apart is layering in purpose layering in personalization and and playing to that emotive element I think is the bold piece that we talked about at the beginning that financial services is kind of dipping its toe in the water with rather than practical advice and very wordy explanations how do we talk to the emotion or, um, you know, how, what connects the soul of the business with the soul of the potential customer, which is what gets you over the line in winning that new business.
1: And and we obviously love that creative side at B2B needs on Draper, but having said all that, in what circumstances do you think rational messaging is the best thing to do?
0: Well, definitely when it comes to regulation, um, and simplifying things. So I think that's where, um, traditionally you might see quite long-winded wordy um, explanations of financial services I think we need to keep it we need to keep it rational but we need to simplify it and as I said at the beginning I think that that's where things like the challenger banks are performing really well on a on a consumer level and that's what we're trying to do in the b2b arena is still be logical still be practical but communicate that in a more human way Um, and less of the corporate jargon more of the this is what this practically means for you Um, and so and that's that's necessary when it comes to regulation because there's nothing emotional about regulation um apart from the fact that you want to avoid any kind of fines (laughs) so um, yeah i think that's when you need to be logical and practical with your comms
1: uh, and, and also the flip side of all this is that some people in B2B marketing will find the emotional route a difficult one to follow, despite a lot of the evidence pointing to its usefulness. Why, why do you think that is and how can we get around it?
0: I think that goes back to the diversity piece. I think you need a broad mix of people within the business and within the marketing team um, to be able to bring different flavors. So that's where the skill set And the mix of talent you have is important um, because you'll have some of those. For example, there's an emergence of now marketing operations, which is very analytical, a totally different skill set from what you would see in a marketing organization 10 years ago. Analytical based, ROI based, very methodical, all about data, kind of data scientists. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum where you've got your creatives, your brand experts. um, And it's about bringing all of that together and having the right skill set. So a mix of those will get you to that point. um, And you'll have those people that will be able to push the envelope a little bit. And then you'll also have the others reining you in on the practical side. And that's where you kind of meet something in the middle that's still suitable for financial services. Because you also don't want to go too far, the creative side, where you lose interest from audience. So... Yeah, I think it's about the skill sets and the way that you structure a team is really important.
1: Mm, That makes sense. Um, In your mind, is it better to increase brand loyalty? Um, What I mean by that is selling more to existing clients or to increase penetration selling to new clients?
0: I think that completely depends on your business and your brand strategy um, or sorry, your growth strategy. But, But for us, um, it's definitely about client retention. I mean, you're not going to grow your business if you're losing clients at the rate of as of bringing them in. So I think actually for most businesses, there's got to be a focus on on client retention and client loyalty. Um, but at the same time, if you're moving into new segments, you've got to focus on acquisition. Um, so very much dependent. I realise that's a loose answer. <laughs> very much dependent on the strategy of the business um, and, and what you're trying to achieve. But I think more and more. People are focusing on existing clients um, and making sure that they love the brand, engage mm. with the brand, really feel loyal to the brand so that then the other piece can work on top of that rather than losing and having a load of churn that you're trying to replace.
1: Mm. And so which one would you say is more responsive to marketing than loyalty or penetration just to sum things up?
0: I think in financial services, uh, penetration, Hmm. weirdly enough, um, because I think that customers in the financial services space aren't used to it. Just like if you think about traditional banks, we don't really get much marketing from our traditional banks. Um, Whereas, again, challenger banks are doing much more of that. It's much more um, engaging. It's much more talking about your life and your day-to-day rather than a practical, here's an upgrade for a credit card, if you think about it in that way. So I think that more needs to be done in the financial services space with existing clients and loyalty and, and buy in, um, so that they embrace the brand. So yeah, I think it's definitely the latter.
1: Mm. And, and no matter how well thought through your plan is or how good your creative might be, a campaign can't really deliver unless it reaches enough people. So share a voice is crucial. What's your, your view on that?
0: Absolutely, that's actually the first thing I talk about when I speak to the board um quarterly about our performance of share of voice it's and it's not always the percentage of share of voice. it's actually within that share of voice. What are the topics because if we're talking about press releases and media coverage, for example, if the majority of that is new hire announcements and new appointments, that's not really saying anything to your customers about your brand or your purpose or who you are or how you're innovative or how you're evolving or why they should stay with you. So you can get share of voice, but is it on the right topics? So for us, it's about making sure that we're talking about the right things that are important to our clients and our customers um, and any potential new ones. um, And that we maintain that level as well. So share of voice is key, but it has to be on the, on the right things.
1: Mm. And then coming all the way back around to you, you won, disruptor of the year at the 2020 women in finance awards can you tell us more about uh, what you did to win that prize and what it means to you
0: yeah I actually absolutely love the title of that award (laughs) because I think that's really kind of (laughs) how we operate as apex and certainly how I operate I think that being you know Brave and bold is key for marketers, both internally and for your own personal development. And if I think back to when I joined Apex and the view of marketing and, and the view of that role, it was so different from what it is seven years later. And being able to kind of trailblaze, I guess, within the business and with also, also within the space with the way that our business is evolving, it's really kind of being able to elevate us show what we can do, bring diversity. As I said, some of that um, disruptor piece was around the shadow executive committee that we've brought in. I also established a sustainability committee. So I think it's about going outside of your comfort zone. And for me, always about bringing solutions, not problems and not being afraid to put your hand up. And that's always served me really well and given me the title disruptor, but I think hopefully in a good way.
1: Or will keep on disrupting uh very <laughs> impressive so that brings us to the rapid fire round just to finish things off i'm gonna um give you some choices and i want you to just respond as quickly as you can from the gut don't think too hard are you ready i'm ready okay advertising or abm abm mm. logic or magic magic <laughs> brand building or lead generation
0: brand building, because you can't have lead generation without the brand.
1: Mm. And what's the problem with B2B now?
0: I don't think there's a problem. I think it's just got a mountain to climb. I think it's just about being unafraid of change is actually maybe the problem. Um, But I think you see more and more people coming in, switching things up. There's more crossover between B2C and B2C and B2B in the marketing space now. I think previous years, people would only hire people with one or the other experience. So I think again, diversity, so always coming back to a, a good mix of people to bring diverse perspectives.
1: <laughs> uh, and then finally, Don Draper would fix the problem by.
0: Okay, so I have a quote from Don Draper, which is this I think epitomizes how he would fix the problem. And that is in the Past the Heinz campaign, um he said that the greatest thing you have working for you is not the photo that you take or the picture that you paint. It's about the imagination of the consumer. Um, And I think that's how he would solve it. It's again, going back to never mind the product. What do the people care about? How do you get to the core? How do you demonstrate your business has a purpose in their life? And that's irrespective of B2B or B2C because we're all humans at the end of the day.
1: Fantastic answer. Thanks. And then finally, uh, if you could tell all CEOs to read one book, what would that be?
0: Oh, well, recently I read, and I've just talked about Challenger Banks a lot, but um, uh, Banking on It by Anne Bowden. Um, and I think that that's an amazing read because she's uh, such a pioneer. She's an o- entrepreneur, a trailblazer. And what's great about it is it's really honest about the, the challenges she had, the failures she had, um, and look where she is now a Starling Bank. So I would definitely encourage everyone to read that
1: fantastic rosie guest it, all, all it leaves me to say is thanks so much for such an insightful fascinating fun chat
0: pleasure thank you so much for having me
1: yeah it's been great so i'm stuart black and see you next time on b2b needs don draper